Hey, Green Tree Church, good morning. My name is Tom Rex. I'm one of the pastors here at Green Tree, and it's good to be back with you uh, virtually wherever you are worshiping. Uh, we are together in spirit. Uh, we're together around God's word. We've had a time to worship and praise, and now we're going to seek to worship God with uh, our intellect, with our minds, with our reason as we study his word. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we're coming to the end of our New Reality Sermon Series uh, fall portion, uh, which is a study of 1 Corinthians. And so we're in chapter 16 this morning, verses 1 through 4. Uh, we're going to be considering uh, the question of generosity uh, in the New Reality. I was talking with a, a couple of friends earlier this week, and we were trading stories about generosity. And the question that we were discussing was, when's a time when someone was really generous with you? Uh, and what's your, what's your recollection of that? And uh, several stories, but a, a great story was, was one of the friends said uh, that she had walked into her parents' home years ago, and uh, she was still pretty young uh, and kind of in the starting out phase of life, you know, when you're, when you're not making a ton of money and things are kind of tight. And she walked in, and her mom had on this beautiful red coat, just absolutely gorgeous. And she looked at her mom and just by way of compliment, not trying to suggest anything, she said, mom, that is a gorgeous coat. That's one of the best looking coats uh, I've ever seen. And she said, my mom immediately took off the coat and handed it to me and said, it's yours. That's a pretty cool story of generosity. Now, we, we get that, I think, in one sense, because it's a, it's a mom and a daughter. It's a parent and a child. But is there, is there something to be learned uh, there? And is there something to be learned in God's economy of generosity that has to do with kind of a little bit of parents looking, or excuse me, children kind of looking or resembling uh, their parents? So we'll come to that uh, as we go through this passage this morning. But turn your attention, if you would, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 4. Hear the word of God. Paul writes, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I declared, excuse me, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you should put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. I'm going to spend a moment in prayer. Uh, and typically, uh, I want to give you a chance to pray and ask God to speak to you. And then I'll lead us in a corporate prayer. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we consider this new reality, as we consider what it means to be your disciples and follow you, uh, made alive and new by the Holy Spirit, by the new life you give us by your grace, uh, Lord, we also realize that, that while there is newness there, we also still struggle with the old reality, the old reality of wanting to live for ourselves 
of living as if this life were all that there uh, was, uh, as if it were the sum and substance of our existence, uh, forgetting that you have created us uh, for eternity with you. And so, Lord, as we consider one more uh, step in the, the journey of this new reality, we pray that you would teach us. We pray that you would humble our hearts and our minds uh, and that you would open us up to your word, not my words, uh, but to your eternal truth. And that as we consider your word this morning, uh, that you would be glorified during this time, uh, that you would sharpen us, that you would teach us something new, that you would correct us, uh, that you would lead us in the pathway of life. Father, I pray that you would forgive my sin. That might be a hindrance. Lord Jesus, we, we want to see you. We want to know you. We want to follow you. So we pray that you would teach us this morning. We pray in your name. Amen. Our sermon in a sentence this morning is as follows. Godly generosity celebrates our new reality in Jesus and calls us to follow his example of active giving. Uh, so the, the notion of godly generosity, generosity is not motivated uh, by anything human, uh, by anything physical, but rather a, a different type of generosity. We're going to get into that today. Uh, that that godly generosity, it does a couple things. It celebrates that there's new life in us. Uh, my generosity is different because I am a believer in Jesus, and because he is empowering me, he's transforming me, he's changing me into his likeness. Uh, and so we celebrate that, uh, but it also calls us uh, to follow his example uh, of active giving. So we're going to have four observations uh, in this text this morning, and we're actually going to spend uh, all of our time in verses 1 and 2. Verses 3 and 4 are kind of explanatory of how Paul is going to deliver the gift, but I read them because it's important for the context. But we're really going to spend our study time in the first two verses. The first of four observations in this text is that Paul is speaking about a giving opportunity. In verse 1, he says, now concerning the collection for the saints. What Paul is talking about here, uh, he's talking about the context in which the Corinthian church and also the churches in Galatia, he mentions those church, he gave them the same directions, uh, the same instructions. Uh, there's a context here, and it's this, that the church in Jerusalem, which is actually the mother church, is the church from which all other churches were born. So Green Tree is a church planting church, and we have several children, so to speak, that, that we've given birth to uh, over the years. Uh, the church in Jerusalem, the mother church, is actually suffering terribly. Uh, the community of Jerusalem and the surrounding area in Judea and the area today that we commonly call Palestine was suffering from a severe drought. They were actually in the midst of a drought that lasted over a decade. You can imagine what that would be like in modern times. And even with all the technology that we have, a 10-year drought would be unbelievably disabling. Think about that in ancient times when they didn't have the advantages that we have today to suggest that this drought led to scarcity and inflation would be a mammoth understatement. The Christians in Jerusalem, along with the other folks in Jerusalem, were suffering terribly. The need there was extreme. And yet we can say that really is the context of every church throughout every generation. As Paul calls the Corinthians to be generous, to help fellow Christians, to help the larger community, that, that's true 
of every congregation. I can't imagine at Green Tree today that we can't see the opportunity to be generous because of a crisis that surrounds us right now. Uh, we understand some of the, the economic impact of the COVID virus, and that doesn't even begin to touch on the other reasons for poverty, the other reasons for want, and the other reasons for uh, a lack in our day and age. So the context of every church and every generation is very similar. Paul could say the exact same thing to us. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, concerning the collection for the need around us, uh, that need is keen. Uh, if you look at the Green Tree, just Green Tree Community Church, you look at our church family uh, and the need that, that COVID and other things have brought to our own church family and the, the opportunity we have to care for one another. Uh, on an ongoing basis, is, is here on a, on a regular basis. You think about uh, our missionaries, the folks that are serving in different places. The most common one we probably know the best is the MICA Project, uh, Michael Miller and, and his crew in Honduras. Uh, and there's always an opportunity to, to encourage them, to, to serve them, to give uh, to them. I think of our new church plant, Woke Bridge, and in the coming uh, year and then next year and the next year. This is going to be an ongoing friendship and relationship. The opportunity is going to be there uh, to support. The context of, of giving uh, is going to be available to us. Many of us know uh, a, a gentleman named Kirk Ackeson, who is one of our denominational church planters in Nashville, Tennessee. And, and Kirk was an intern for us a long time ago when we were planning Riverside Church in Webster. And many of us have stayed in relationship with Kirk and, and continue to support him in his church project in Nashville. The opportunity, the point is this, the opportunity is always there. And so Paul says, now concerning the collection for the saints, and he's saying that to you and me this morning, as well. He's saying that to Green Tree Community Church. Uh, it may not be the saints in Jerusalem, uh, but the need, the opportunity is always there for godly generosity. Secondly, not only seeing the opportunity, but also understanding how we focus our mindset, how we focus our thinking uh, in order to grow in generosity. In verse 2, uh, Paul says this, on the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. The, the question we want to ask under focus is, why do we give? What is our motivation? Uh, churches in general, but I'll, I'll speak specifically to Green Tree, as we think about trying to encourage our spiritual family when it comes to giving. Uh, we want to teach from the Bible. Uh, we want to make sure that we understand God's Word, but we also, as we plan, as a staff and as elders, as we plan, and we want to encourage people in, in godly generosity, a lot of times we talk about what are the stories uh, that we can tell uh, in our spiritual family. Uh, we want to make sure that, that what we share is compelling. We want to make sure that we give folks a, a clear picture uh, of the need. We want to make sure that people know that we have good uh, accounting practices, uh, that we manage this money, that we steward this money well, uh, that there's no hanky-panky going on with the, with the funding. Now, all of that is good. All of that is helpful. Uh, I, I'll speak for myself. When I hear a great story about generosity, that makes me want to give more as well. So I'm not suggesting that those motives are bad, but that's not the best motive. 
Paul speaks to the best motive for our giving when he says this, on the first day of the week. Does that language sound familiar to you from any place else in the Bible? Can you recollect anywhere else, and I'll give you hints in the New Testament, can you think of anywhere else in the New Testament where you've heard that on the first day of the week language? Now, some of you probably know, and some of you may be scratching your heads a little bit, uh, but the answer to that is it's found in the Gospels when the women go to the tomb thinking Jesus is dead. And they go on the first day of the week, which for us and, and for the rest of the world, technically the first day of the week is Sunday. And so we have Easter Sunday. We have what we call Resurrection Sunday. And that's what Paul's pointing to here. He's pointing to the fact that the worship of God in the Christian church shifted from the Jewish tradition of the Sabbath to the first day of the week within the Christian community. And remember, the very first Christians, all, all of, almost all of them exclusively, were Jews. It shifted from the Sabbath to the first day of the week. Why? Because that's when we celebrate our new life. That's when we celebrate the glory of the gospel. That's when we celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross and then God affirming that gift by raising Jesus back to life and seating him at his right hand. We talked about this last week in chapter 15 when we looked at the question of the resurrection. And what Paul is saying is that on the first day of the week, it's when we worship. It's when we celebrate the resurrection. And that is our focus not only of our, of our worship and our celebration, but it's the focus of our giving. When we think about how we're motivated to give, if we look at a, at a compelling story and, we're, and, we're, and we want to give because of that compelling story, that's not, it's not bad. That's good. But it's not the best. The best is when I focus on my Lord Jesus. The best is when I remember the gift that he's given me which I could never begin to demand, which I could never begin to expect, but that which was freely given, when I focus on that, and where do I do that? One of the ways I do that all the time is every week on the first day of the week. I focus on the gift of Jesus. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, excuse me, yeah, chapter 8, verse 9, he says this to the, to the Christians in Corinth. Now you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. In other words, Jesus gave up everything for us. So Paul rightly says, uh, I want to draw your attention in giving to your act of worship, and I want to tie those two together. So you're going to do something on the first day of the week, and when we hear the first day of the week, we think of celebrating the resurrection. We think of celebrating what the Lord Jesus has done for us. So Paul says you need to see the opportunity, but secondly, you also need to focus your attention for giving on the Lord Jesus. Also, thirdly, he says it's an inclusive offer. The opportunity to give is an inclusive offer offer. In verse 2, he says, on the first day of the week, each of you should put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Each of you, nobody is left out of that. No, nobody's excluded from the opportunity to grow in godly generosity and to participate in godly generosity. In many respects, the, the amount of the gift, whether it be a tiny bit or a huge sum, that's of very little consequence. 
The notion here is that the family participates together, that it is very uh, clear that each member has the opportunity. And so it, 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 the size of the gift is much less important, much, much less important than the opportunity that each one of us have to participate. Uh, back in the winter of 1983, so I'm going way back. I'm going back about, about 37 years ago. Cindy and I uh, wanted to go to Cindy's mom's house in Colorado Springs uh, and uh, for Christmas. And we wanted to, to drive. We were going to drive. We couldn't afford to fly. But as we kind of put our pennies together, we were newlyweds. We had been married. Uh, we'd been married about two years at that point. We were both working at kind of entry-level positions. Uh, I was in a church. Cindy was working in a, in a school. We were not making very much money at all. And to drive, we were in Tennessee, uh, and to drive from Chattanooga, Tennessee to Colorado and back just wasn't within our means. We just didn't have the money. Uh, we didn't have the gas money. And so we, we weren't sure what to do. Uh, we were praying about it, but we were thinking, well, maybe we're not going to be able to make the trip. And a few days before we were scheduled to leave, I went out to the to the car to get in the car to go to work. And as I got in the car, uh, I opened the door and there were literally, after we ended up counting them all, there were $151 bills just scattered, just dumped in our car. Uh, and if you think back to 1983, $150 could get you to Colorado Springs and back from Chattanooga as far as the cost, the price of gas. But what we found out was that it wasn't some of our adult friends who had done that. It wasn't some of the people in the church where we were serving. And we were doing student ministry. It wasn't the parents of, of our high school students that did it. It was our high school students. They got wind of this, and they got together, and they kind of went around and said, okay, everybody chip in. And in those days, high school kids had a couple of $1 bills in their pocket. And I would guess, we never asked, but I would guess that probably many of them gave, if they had five bucks, they gave the five bucks. And that's a, just an incredible picture of the inclusiveness of the opportunity to be generous. It wasn't that one person gave us $150. It was that probably 40 high school students gave, you know, gave us a couple of dollars each. And that was a beautiful picture for us, the inclusiveness of the opportunity to grow in giving. Now, I've said the size of the gift, you know, whether it's a little bit or or a, or a huge sum is of little consequence, but I didn't say it's of no consequence. And this is where we need to understand the context. And I want to go over to 2 Corinthians. I want to read for you uh, a couple of verses. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I want you to listen to verses 6 and 7, and then I'm going to skip down and, and read a couple others, and then I'll, I'll come back and I'll, I'll try to uh, draw the point out of this. So Paul says in verses 6 and 7 of chapter 9, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And now let's skip down to verse 12 and read the three or four verses before the, uh, through the end of the chapter. For the ministry of this service, the service is giving, right? This, the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ. 
and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. When I say it's, it, it's not of no consequence, what I mean is this. Well, you often hear quoted, God loves a cheerful giver. But we, we miss out on what's around it. And what's around it is, is God's invitation for us to reflect his glory to the world around us. God did not so sparingly when he sent his son. God did not sow a little bit of salvation so that a couple hundred folks throughout all of history, some specially selected people who are really, really good, could be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I said this many times. I wouldn't give my son for anybody, either of my sons or my daughter or my grandkids now that we got grandkids. I wouldn't give any of my family members for anybody. You'd have to, you'd have to kill me to get to them. God's generous heart. And the generous heart of the son who said, please send me, created the opportunity for you and for me, for the whole world to put our faith in Christ. So when God says he loves a cheerful giver, and at the end of that, when Paul says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift, what he's talking about is God giving us the opportunity to look like him. The father is giving the opportunity for people to see the child and say, boy, you look like your daddy. <laughs> You know, boy, you look like your mama. Boy, you look like your parents. Generosity is inclusive. The participation is inclusive as we grow in generosity. So we're not stingy in our giving. We may only be able to give a little, but we give that little amount that we're able to give joyfully. We may be able to give a whole bunch. And if we can, we do give a whole bunch. Why? We give it joyfully because God's enabled us because of his inexpressible gift to us in Christ Jesus. We can turn around and we can reflect that to the world. I love uh, the picture I'm going to put on the, on the screen for you here. Uh, I've, I asked several people today, I said, look at that picture and tell me who it is. And everybody gave me the same answer. They all looked at it and they said, that's Charlie Sheen. And I said, are you sure? And they looked at it a little bit more closely. And a couple of them said, yeah, that's Charlie Sheen, the actor. A couple of them said, hmm, it's Charlie Sheen, but I think that's also his dad, Martin Sheen. I said, that's exactly right. I, you rarely see this kind of resemblance. But those pictures were taken when, when, they, were the, when they were the same age. So when, when Martin Sheen uh, was in a movie called Apocalypse Now, that picture was taken. And I think he was in his late 20s, about 28 or so. And the picture of Charlie Sheen, his son was taken when Charlie was 28, and it kind of looks like exactly the same guy. Do you think the world looks at us and says, now I know what the Father looks like? Do you think your fellow saints look at your generosity, look at our generosity, look at my generosity and say, now I have a picture of the Father? That's why God wants our generosity to be inclusive. He wants it to be for all of us so we don't miss out on the opportunity to reflect his generous gift of his son. Our generosity with the temporal things we own, the, the physical things we own, our growth in that over the year by years. I try to grow every year in my giving. I try to give a little bit more of my temporal wealth away year by year because I want to reflect more and more the image of my heavenly father. So calls for an inward reflection. How has God prospered me? 
Paul says you, you set it aside based on how you've been prospered. You've been prospered a little, you set a little aside. You've been prospered a lot, you set a lot aside. It, 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 it balances, but I've got I to gotta reflect on that. I've got to think about that. But it's inclusive. Every one of us has that opportunity. Now, our fourth observation, I need to move this along. Our fourth observation is not only do we see the opportunity, not only do we focus on what God has done for us, not only is it inclusive for everybody, but the giving is also to be intentional. Again, coming back to verse 2, it says this, On the first day of the week, each one of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so on and so forth, each week. Now, the notion here, we're not going to get legalistic and say, now, you gotta, you gotta, your giving has to be every week. Uh, but what's being taught here is a regular discipline. What's being taught here by Paul is you need to think about this on a regular basis. You need to stay on top of it. You need to be active and prayerful and thoughtful in your generosity. Don't let it slide. Don't let it slip. But make sure it's very much a part of your life. And so in Paul's context, uh, because they didn't have a stock market back then where you say, well, I got to wait till the end of the year and kind of see all that goes and give a lump sum at the end of the year. But he, he, what he's talking about is the notion that it's a regular practice in our lives. Now, why do you think he says this? Well, I can only speak for myself, but I will say this. I need the practice of living in the new reality. I need to be thinking about that on a daily basis because the old reality, which I'll just call selfish, that's where I start off the sermon series. Old reality is defined by one word, selfishness. Uh, and I think it's absolutely true across the board. That old reality is always lurking in the heart of Pastor Tom. It's just always there. And if I'm not thinking about what it means to grow in Christ, if I'm not thinking about the new reality, including my generosity, it's a pretty short step for me to slip back into the old reality and to begin to think selfishly. Because apart from Christ, my human heart is not void of generosity. I wouldn't say it's not there at all because we're all made in the image of God, but it is severely lacking. And so I need to be well rehearsed in my giving because I'm already well rehearsed in my, in my selfishness. And so if, I'm, if, if the Spirit of God is going to change me, if the Word of God is going to transform me into the image of Jesus, then it would be wise for me to make it a part of my regular habit, to consider what it means to be generous. I can look an awful lot like Ebenezer Scrooge uh, to just you know, make the example very pointed, a, a folk figure of, with whom we are all familiar. Uh, I can be the one that you know, is going to keep those coins on my desk and make sure that, that they don't spill over into anybody else. Somebody asked me last year, why does Green Tree do a pledge card? Which I think you're going to be getting uh, one in the mail this next week. Uh, why does Green Tree do, why do you need a pledge card? Why can't you, you know, just know that people are going to, going to give? Uh, and, and just, you know, show, show faith in God by not asking people to fill out a pledge card. And I, I can appreciate that. Uh, I, I, I don't agree with it, but I can certainly appreciate it and respect that opinion. But I think this verse says, we need to help one another. We need to help apply Scripture. And when I sit down and fill out my pledge card, which I fill out every year, uh, and I write down that number, and I write down a bigger number, sometimes a little bit bigger, sometimes just a tiny bit bigger than I did the year before, it reminds me of God's generosity to me. 
it reminds me that I need to be intentional in my open-handedness with that which already belongs to God. It actually helps me be happy in my giving. Uh, it reminds me that God has prospered me. According to verse 2, I, I look at this, according, I don't look at it according to how God's prospered you or my next door neighbor or the person down the street or a uh, different pastor, different elder. I look at my own uh, finances and our, as a couple and I say, how has God prospered us? And let's grow in our thankfulness for that this coming year. And so whether you fill out a pledge card, and I hope you do if you're part of the Green Tree family, I, 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 I think, uh, dare I say, I think you should because I think it will help with that discipline. Uh, however we give ought to be prayerful and thoughtful and intentional, which brings me to the application, and then we'll wrap up. How do you apply these couple of verses? Well, the first is I would say you want to ask God to give you the opportunity to grow in generosity. And that might be hard to, to place to start because he might grow that, and that might mean you spend your money differently. And that might be a little bit scary right now. And I understand that. I've been scared uh, many times uh, in praying that prayer. But ask and then listen. And the way I actively listen to God as I read the Word. And if I'm going to ask God to grow me in my generosity, it means by default, the way I practice my faith, I'm not talking about anybody else, the way I practice my faith, it means by default, if I'm going to listen to God, I'm going to go read Bible verses on giving. And I'm going to sit and I'm going to meditate on those. And I'm going to say, Lord, teach me. Help me be quiet. Help me listen. I'm asking. I want to grow in my generosity. Now speak to me. And then I'm going to intentionally go to those passages in Scripture that will allow me to listen. The second application then is praying about a growing heart of generosity. It's actually asking God to, to make it uh, a joyful thing for me to grow in my generosity day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year, and then plan accordingly. If I'm going to grow in generosity, probably for, uh, I would guess, almost for every one of us, if we're going to grow in our generosity, we probably need to stop spending over there in order to be able to give over there. We need to probably set aside that goal if we're going to pick up that goal. I know that's been true in my life. My guess is that it's probably true in yours as well. So we need to plan. We need to say, okay, if I'm going to grow, then here's the pathway to growth in a very practical way. I've, I've asked, I've listened. Uh, God's shown me uh, his word in this. Uh, I've prayed about it. My heart is desiring it. And therefore, I'm going, to, I'm going to put a plan in place so that I can begin to be generous in a godly way or grow in my, in my generosity. You may be a person that, that needs to begin being generous. Maybe you've never been generous. That's okay. God loves you. That's all right. We, we've all started somewhere. There are plenty of places where I'm just beginning at 61 to learn some new things about my relationship with the Lord Jesus. Uh, so that's all right. But it's, now it's time to begin. Go ahead and, and ask the Lord to help you begin. For those of us that are giving, maybe we become a little stale. Maybe we've just kind of taken it for granted. Maybe we haven't really thought about it. The last two, three years, we haven't really considered what it might mean to grow in our giving. So for us, maybe the opportunity is to grow. But I come back to mom's red coat. I think about just a mom, just taking it off. Here you go. And handing it to her daughter. There was no reluctance in that. 
There was nothing but joy. There was nothing but a heart filled with love. And if you, if you don't hear anything else this morning, if you're all, Pastor Tom's talking about money. <laughs> if you don't hear anything else, hear, hear that this morning, that God's heart is filled with love for you. That's what the cross of Christ is all about. But God's desire for us is to reflect that generosity to the world around us. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. Father, create within us or grow within us hearts of generosity. The gift of the Lord Jesus on the cross for my sins is is an inexpressible gift. We can't begin to thank you for that. And Lord, our offerings aren't aren't trying to to pay for what Jesus did. Our giving is, is to be a reflection of how you're transforming our hearts and making us more like Jesus. So Father, I thank you in many, so many ways. The Green Tree family is such a generous family. I think about affordable Christmas coming up. I think about the COVID offering that we took last Easter. Lord, I'm so uh, in so many ways, I'm so proud, in a, in a healthy way, in a good way, of this congregation. Uh, so, Lord, just make us that much more generous, that we would reflect your heart to the world around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.